What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. In this week's episode, I am going to delve into an area I know very little about, but I'm very interested to watch it, um, its development over the, over the last couple of years. And I'm talking about the tokenization of real estate. Now, to those of you who've never heard of this, what is the tokenization of real estate? Well, think about it like crowdfunding and think of it like cryptocurrency and the digitization of the entire kind of ownership uh, of real estate. And we've all heard of blockchain as well. These are all familiar words, but when you kind of tie them together and try to kind of fit the real estate investment uh, transaction into a digital form, uh, it seems to have gathered a lot of steam, this name tokenization. And so the idea is to make it as easy to buy and sell, uh, we'll say tokens in a uh, real estate asset, as it is to buy, you know, a piece of Bitcoin or or whatever it might be, stocks and shares and things like that on on a on an exchange like a digital exchange like Coinbase or something like that. This is a potentially massive industry, and so it is something that a lot of people are looking at, but it is very very early in its development. So that's what we're going to talk about today, guys. Let's get into the show. You are listening to Behind the Facade, and I am your host, Gavin J. Gallagher. On this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. Before I get into any more talk about the tokenization of real estate, just want to give a quick um, overview of where we are in the world at the moment. I've been, as you know, I've been watching Ukraine very closely, and uh, there are now some, they're estimated to be something like 4 million refugees that have left Ukraine at this stage. And that is like 10% of the population of Ukraine, which is insane when you think about it. And it, it hit home this week particularly because my daughter came home from school she's only five and she said that there is a, a new boy in her class and this boy is actually a ukrainian refugee who just you know a month a little over a month ago was going to school in ukraine and then you know he's had to leave for the sake of his safety and his mother's safety and now he's in my daughter's classroom and so this is is pretty incredible now, actually, about 10 or 15 kids have come to the school and are actually now, you know, different ages and stuff like that are now in the school. And um, this is interesting from just a kind of purely social point of view. But actually, there's some serious ramifications here if you just look at what's happening. I think now 4 million people have left. I think Ireland has um, decided to take 200,000 uh, of those refugees and we already have an acute housing shortage here in Ireland. I mean, if you, I, I had a, a message from a listener today and he was asking if there was any work available in the business. And I said, yeah, well, you know, I'll keep my eye out. But I said, where are you emailing me from or where you message me from? And he came back that he was messaging from India. 
and, and and I've got nothing wrong with giving anybody a job if there's work there I'll give I'll give you a job but the problem is, is if you're not in the country already then there's a very slim chance of you being able to get accommodation and I know that because I have a uh, a young lady working for me at the moment she's an intern and she's come from France and it took her about six months to find a you know a, a basically a, a roommate to move in with to to actually move here so she could have come much much sooner but it took her about six months to find accommodation before she came to the country and uh, you can imagine somebody traveling from halfway across the world for work they might arrive here thinking that they can just walk in and get a job and and that's it the problem is not the job the problem is the accommodation and trying to find a place to stay um and it's a big issue and I've, I was speaking to one of my mastermind clients ju- the, during the week and he lives, uh, you know, in down the country in Ireland and he was saying that every single uh, bed and breakfast and every single hotel room in the town that he lives is now completely booked up. And it's not booked up with tourists, it's booked up with refugees that have been placed there by the local government or um, the local authority or whatever it is. And I mean... From a moral standpoint, that you know, that's a great thing. It's great that we're doing our part. It's great that we're getting involved, um, and that we're helping out. And so, there's n- I've got absolutely nothing against that. But one of the biggest issues that I see is that we are close to breaking point now. If we have got a housing crisis already, I mean, we've been talking about this for the last two years. We have a housing crisis. People cannot find places to buy. People cannot find places to rent the prices are going up the rent is going up because of the shortages involved the demand is absolutely insatiable i've talked about it being one of the reasons why i do think the prices will continue to grow in the market and whether you're in ireland or england or wherever you are like there's just such pressure on prices at the moment but the biggest issue now in this market is that you're going to have two hundred thousand refugees coming into the market putting additional pressure on an already you know system close to breaking um but now you've got to add in this little extra thing that if you've got every single hotel room and every single bed and breakfast taken up by refugees that means that the industries that kind of feed off of tourism generally speaking are going to struggle so i'll give you an example if you own a, a pub business um, you would be uh, you would be relying on a certain amount of partying, like whether that's stag parties or hen parties or whatever it might be. And we get a lot of those in certain parts of Ireland and, and Dublin here. Temple Bar is, is a very popular area for that. Now, if every single room in Temple Bar is booked up by and, and uh, you know, occupied by refugees who are you know rightly trying to escape from the terror that they've escaped from, um, but if you've got that situation and the pubs are in that area are kind of require, you know, require tourism to actually perform, they're going to suddenly find that the, that that business has dried up badly because nobody can actually travel here to have a stag party because there are no rooms available. So I just think that between the housing crisis and this extra little bit of pressure now, it's going to be interesting to see how the wider economy performs and on top of that we've got the inflation issue that we've got 
And so anyway, look, that's been a bit of a, a detour from our topic, our main topic today. The other thing I just want to mention before I get back into tokenization and real estate is that my newly restructured mastermind has been launched, been delighted with the response. I have a load of new members signed up in the last week. The next intake now is going to be six weeks time. So if you are interested in being um, in the next intake, do reach out and connect with me. And I've been reaching out to some of you this past week. So if you've gotten a, a message from me in the last few days, you'll know why. So back to the main topic for today. And I know very little about the tokenization of real estate, but I do have a very strong interest in watching it from the sidelines. And um, it's one of those words, I, I, like if you go back to 2017, 2018, 2019, this was actually a bigger buzzword in the industry. And uh, I can remember I went over to London to attend a, um, a conference on the tokenization of real estate. And I was expecting to go to this huge, big kind of industry event space and there'd be thousands of people there. And I arrived at this, it was in a no-tell location in London. And I would say there was no more than 30 or 40 people there. So it, was, it is and it was at the time very much at the early stages of its development. And so I, um, I was there early, I went in, I sat down and listened to them all speaking. And there was some really interesting speakers, like guys that really knew this industry inside out. But what they were all explaining was just how difficult it is and the challenges that they face. And one of the biggest challenges that they face is the adoption by the big institutions that are out there. So things like banks and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, if a bank does not accept this or if the big institutions that control the, the, you know, the money flow and things like that into this sector, if they don't agree with this, then the thing is dead in the water. And a lot of these guys, a lot of the big banks, they have had their business models massively upset in the last number of years. You know, you've got big, huge banks that are suddenly finding that they're losing business to the likes of revolution and, and things like that. So, um, they're closing up branches, they're doing all this kind of stuff. They're under a threat in their own eyes. And so when you come along and try to encourage them to, why don't you have a look at this new technology that perhaps is going to kind of upend the mortgage market or something like that. This is something that they naturally resist. It's not just them though. You've also got the law profession. Those guys have a certain way of doing things. It involves pushing around a lot of paper there's an old historical sort of um, relevance to this, you know, pieces of paper that go back 150, 200, 300 years. Whenever we're here in Ireland anyway, whenever we're in the process of buying or selling a property, there's this big folio and it's all of the owners of that same piece of land for the last countless numbers of years. And that is the process that is there at the moment. And in order to tokenize the real estate industry you're going to have to do away with all of that and somehow turn it into zeros and ones that go into a computer system and people can just buy and sell a property just by picking up their phone pushing a button and that's it now you you own x number of shares in our tokens in this building now of course there is already the uh, the the REIT industry and the you know the qualifying investment industry we, um, the business that I'm a part of uh, here in East Point, we work with big investment funds 
And um, these investment funds, they raise money from investors. The investors pool all of their resources together and the fund they might raise, you know, kind of say 100 million dollars uh, or, you know, euros or yen or whatever it might be. And they will allocate a certain portion of that to different investments. And then they might come to us, they might meet us and say, we quite like the business that park that you run. We would like to, you know, acquire a percentage of it or whatever it is. And that's the kind of thing. But usually that is only open to certain types of businesses, a certain scale of business. And the average Joe that's out there that's wants to kind of buy residential property, they might be interested in the idea of buying and selling a piece of an office building. But uh, the reality, it's not really open to you guys. And so this tokenization would potentially open that up and mean that anybody at any level will say a minimum price of 100 euro or 100 dollars or 100 pounds that would be the amount that the minimum amount you could come in at so you can buy 100 euro worth of piece of property and there might be like for example the building that i'm in here maybe i decide that i want to sell uh, 20 percent of this building and i decide okay i'm going to create 2000 or we'll say 20,000 or 200,000 tokens and i'll put them out there on the market and you can come along with your you know 100 euro or whatever it is and you can buy up one of those tokens and now you own a piece of this that's the principle behind the tokenization it's a little bit like crowdfunding um it's a little bit like crypto and um and the idea is that your ownership is held on the blockchain in a uh something that is completely safe it's an encrypted register of your ownership nobody can take it away from you nobody can hack it and uh, and it'll all be sort of there for everybody to see in the public domain and that is the principle and that's kind of how obviously uh, you know cryptocurrency works as well and so this is a whole area it's a it's a big industry that's kind of propping uh, cropping up and uh, it has been one of those kind of buzzwords that I've been watching out there. Now, there are, it's interesting, actually, I'm going to just take a, a slight detour for a moment just to say, you know, there are a couple of buzzwords in the industry out there at the moment that are catching all the headlines. And one of them would be Elon Musk. Um, Elon this week announced his uh, bid for Twitter. And so Twitter is in the news Elon is just constantly in the news these days, whether it's Tesla or SpaceX, and now it's Twitter. And he's one of the biggest um, influencers in Twitter. I think he has like 80 million followers or something like that. So the fact that he's going after that um, puts him in the news a lot. And it's one of those buzzed, buzzword terms. Um, the other buzzword term out there at the moment that just seems to capture so much attention is crypto. And... Uh, it's it's funny i've been i i look at the analytics on this podcast and i watch how are the you know how are the episodes doing and i did one a little while back that had the word crypto in it and it has outperformed most of the other episodes that i've done so it's interesting when i saw that i was like mm, that's interesting and if you put elon the name elon into the episode it seems to outperform others so those are the buzzwords so i'm going to just do a little experiment today i'm going to put Elon and crypto and tokenization of real estate into this title and see how it performs. And so you guys, the listener, you are 
in on this little joke. It's a bit of clickbait just to sort of see how it all works. Tokenization, what, what is it? I've already explained kind of what is it, but why should we pay attention to this? And I think one of the biggest reasons to pay attention to this is that you've got, you've seen what's happened to crypto. Like the performance of Bitcoin has been just astronomical. And if you look at the way the industry, the, the property industry works at the moment, if you're looking to buy a property, you've got to, you know, going to do all of this stuff. You've got to do your due diligence and all that, which is obviously a requirement um, if you want to kind of invest safely. But then you've got to go and hire a solicitor and the solicitor has to go and, you know, go to the bank probably and get the deed, the title deeds released to them. And they have to study them and they have to look for any kind of an issue. And then... You know, it's this huge, long paperwork um, trail that just takes forever. And the banks are slow. The mortgage process is slow. Everything is just slow. And because of that, it's a very burdensome kind of, uh, trans you know, transacting in property is not like, it doesn't have the liquidity that buying and selling stock market shares. And now it also doesn't have the volatility, which I guess is a good thing. One of the reasons why I kind of find it this whole idea of um, of tokenization interesting is that if you just look at the opportunities that present themselves in the stock market and in crypto and things like that, just from news cycles and just the fluctuations in property prices. And in the past week, Elon Musk has made you know his bid for Twitter. And Elon started, I've been looking at different um, you know, things, different news sources and, and channels on YouTube and stuff talking about this. And he started buying on the 31st of January and he was accumulating a position in the stock market and he bought it up quietly. Nobody knew anything. And then he, at a certain point, he had passed 5% of all of the shares in Twitter. And he was supposed to announce to the market that he now had 5%. And had he done that, the price of Twitter would have spiked straight away because everyone would see Elon is buying and this is, this is going to drive up the price. Now, instead, he didn't make that announcement. And there's all sorts of talk about him, you know, doing illegal things by, by not making that announcement and waiting. And by waiting for, you know, a couple of weeks, he, in effect, um, saved himself $170 million dollars that the price would have risen by the moment people understood that he was buying and so you have a situation where the richest man in the world is buying up shares and you're holding on to these shares and you own these shares maybe you bought these shares at 45 dollars and you're holding them at 38 and you're thinking god you know maybe these shares are you know a bad investment maybe i should get out and so you decide you're going to sell at a bit of a loss at 38 on no, not knowing that Elon Musk is actually the person who's buying up your shares and not knowing that he already has 6% and he should have announced to the market the moment he went above 5%. And so naturally, you know, you are going to be a little bit annoyed that instead of being told that your shares are actually not just worth you know, more than 38 now, they're, they've gone way up and they're up at, in, their, in the 50s now. And uh, so there's actually, there's a lot of people out there that would have sold their shares in the last couple of weeks 
that should have known that Elon was buying up and they're probably going to launch you know, lawsuits against Elon for all that and um, it's going to be interesting. But my point is that you can see how the opportunity, the moment the news came out that Elon had bought this stake, suddenly the shares are moving, they're fluctuating quickly and there's, there's opportunity in those market movements. With the real estate industry, you don't have that same opportunity. You, you, you know, the, the, the shares in, you, you buy a property, it takes you 16 weeks, we'll say, to, to close out the deal. And then you own it and you have a mortgage with the bank. And if you want to sell that property, you've got to go through the same long-winded process of you know, giving the paperwork to the solicitor and the solicitor goes to the bank and the bank has, holds the title deeds and they release the title deeds on account on accountable receipt to the solicitor and all of this and it's just this long long process can you imagine what it would do to the process if you could just take out your phone and push a button and that's it bang you've just sold the property or you just bought the property and if you saw uh, an individual standing outside a building on a street looking up like for example grant cardone who a lot of people would know grant goes and you know, buys these apartment buildings in around America and stuff. And if you, I, I saw an image from somebody who was, they were actually looking out the window and they could see Grant Cardone walking through the building that they were in. And so they immediately knew, wow, Grant Cardone is in the grounds looking around. So he's interested in buying this property. If you saw that, you might be thinking to yourself, geez, I'm going to go and buy these, you know, some shares in this, in this building right now. And you might actually make a kind of an uplift in it. Now, of course, that is the kind of emotional decision making that is not recommended. Um, certainly not by me, because that is making an assumption. He could be visiting his granddaughter or something like that. Like, you just don't know. You've made some assumption. But the point is, is that the, the, the real estate industry is absolutely massive. There's $317 trillion is the real estate industry. Um, compare that with the gold, the entire, every single piece of gold on the planet, the value of that is $8 trillion. So $8 trillion versus $317 trillion. It gives you an idea of the size and the scale of the, of the real estate market. And so the fact that it has to go through this long-winded, slow process is a, uh, it's a real barrier and a hurdle to the to the kind of speed and the liquidity of that market if you could buy and sell much much quicker a lot of people feel that that would actually open up the market to a different investor and would actually make it a much much easier market to get in and out of and people would buy and sell much much more quickly now of course with that could come an awful lot more um, volatility and so you could end up with your, you know, your shares going up and down in the same way that Bitcoin does. And of course, one of the reasons why I like real estate is that it does not move to the market. You know, it doesn't fluctuate with the markets ups and up and downs like Bitcoin and the NASDAQ and the Dow Jones and all these different indices. If you, if you buy shares in a company like Apple today and get some bad news out of China tomorrow, you could lose a five or 6% of your investment like overnight. Equally, you could, it could be like, you could, you could own Twitter shares and just by accident, 
Elon Musk has decided to kind of have a look and next minute you've gone and look, you're looking at a 25% increase overnight. We don't get any of that in the real estate sector because of this, the way it's set up and the legal system and stuff. And so it is an interesting idea to have tokens out there, digital tokens, and just being able to say, you know what, I would like to own a piece of, we'll say the Empire State Building. I would like to own a piece of the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. And they could put those on the market. You might always have a principal owner, we'll say, perhaps the developer. Like if I build a building, I might decide that I want to hold on to 80% of it, but I'd like to sell 20% out to the people who listen to this podcast. And so you guys can come along and you can buy tokens in the building and you can buy and sell those as you please. Um, it's an interesting idea. One of, the, one of the biggest problems is regulation, first of all. Um, it's very hard to regulate these digital tokens at the moment anyway. They're looking at that. Um, that is one of the barriers that they talked about when I attended that conference a couple of years ago. They talked about how difficult it was for regulators to, to kind of keep it safe and make sure that you're buying an actual sort of token in the building. Um, because a lot of the time, the way it's done, it's you're, you're actually, they, they, they turn the building into a company and the company issues shares and each share has a token that kind of mirrors it or something like that. There's, you can see what I mean when I say it's complicated and it's difficult to explain even. Um, also, which laws are applicable? If you're from the US and you look at the Irish market, you can buy and sell, you know, just at a touch of a button. Do you fully understand the, the legal system involved and things like that? That's another question. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the biggest resistance to all of this is the existing guys that are making money on it. So the banks, the big institutions, there's no in institutional appetite at the moment to do this kind of thing, to, to kind of start going down the road of digitization. They have the mortgage market tied up. They're all making lots of money selling mortgages and they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to introduce, say, a new way of doing business that could be much, much easier for small startups to come in and act much, much more nimbly. If you look at the way Revolut has uh, completely eaten the market of the main banks, the main banks, they issue Visa cards and MasterCards and things like that. They Every time you go uh, abroad and you're using a card from one of these suppliers, they charge this extra fee and stuff like Revolut doesn't charge that. So I use Revolut all the time now. It's so easy to transfer money, pay people, things like that. And because of that, it is um, it is eating the lunch of a lot of the banks. And I can imagine mortgage providers and banks that do mortgages, and all of these guys, they would suffer probably um, because along would come somebody who's very nimble, would offer this thing, a touch of a button, bang, bang, bang. Now you own a property. We can issue you your mortgage instantly because we can get access to the tokens instantly. Anyway, guys, uh, as I mentioned, I am no expert on this, but it is definitely something that I think could be a huge opportunity, but it's not something that is a huge opportunity today. I think it's a couple of years away. Um, the biggest problem is the adoption by the big institutes, uh, institutions. If we can get the institutions to jump on board, um, then obviously it'll be a much, much bigger industry and you're going to have an awful lot of upset, I guess, with 
you know, you know, the legal profession out there. There will be guys that are kind of set in their ways that are, are used to dealing with paper transactions and stuff. And all of a sudden they're being told, no, no, we're going to go to digitization and you have to have the whole thing computerized. Those guys are going to basically be out of business straight away and it'll be zeros and ones on a phone somewhere. All right, guys, I said this was going to be a brief enough episode. It is going to be going out on Easter Monday. And so uh, that being a holiday here in Ireland, I am going to love you and leave you. And I'll see you gold next week. Hey, guys, it's me again. Quick favor before you go. If you could take a moment to just leave a quick review over on iTunes or indeed if you are watching this on YouTube, please just like it and leave a comment below. If you do have any questions or topics that you'd like me to cover in future episodes, leave a comment, join the Facebook group. Alternatively, send me a DM uh, via social media. And as you guys know, my handle is Gavin J. Gallagher. And don't forget to check out that link to the property investor readiness test down in the show notes. Right, so guys, that's it. I hope you are going to have an awesome week and we shall catch you all next week. Mm-hmm.